BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. This particular guest I have been waiting for, so I really think that all of the episodes up to this point have just been a preview, have been a trial run until we have been so great on this show. We've gotten so many viewers. We've done such a great job here on Just the Truth that finally my good friend Andrew Clavin of Daily Wire has finally decided to grace us with his presence. Drew, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's a pleasure, Jenna. I feel the same way. Everything up till now has just been practice. This is the big game. Absolutely. And uh, so you are the host of The Andrew Clavin Show on Daily Wire, which I've been a guest on for, uh, it seems like years now, actually, uh, that we've been friends. And you always give such great analysis of everything going on in politics and culture. And you also have a new book out that is the last of another kingdom trilogy called The Emperor's Sword. And uh, this is so great. I think, for people to understand and to see uh, this type of writing uh, that you have and to, um, to really introduce kind of the political world, which tends to tune into uh, Real America's Voice, that you're really part of the entertainment industry. And you've seen a lot of that being in L.A. And we talk so much about uh, the false and fake news narrative that is in the, the news, which is really the activists. But that's true for the entertainment world as well. This is what got me into commentating. I was really kind of backed into it. I was, I came back, I had lived in England for many years, and I came back right around the turn of the century, right around 2000, and was working in Hollywood. My books were being made into movies. I was selling a lot of scripts. And 9-11 happened, and I suddenly saw all these entertainment figures coming on TV, beginning, as I remember, with David Letterman, and and basically taking the side of the people who had destroyed lower New York, who had uh, attacked not only New York, but also Washington, D.C. And I remember David Letterman coming on and saying, why, why do these people hate us? And thinking to myself, who cares why they hate us? They have a small, horrible, fascistic philosophy. They're supposed to hate us. We're supposed to stand for freedom. These are the guys who should hate us. And I realized that while I was out of the country for many years, I was an expatriate for many years, the culture had changed and the culture had poisoned people's minds to the point where they could actually start to imagine that America was deserving of that kind of attack. And I began, it was funny because when I left for England, I was a liberal. When I came back, I didn't realize I had become a conservative, but I suddenly realized that guys like Rush Limbaugh were saying all the things that I had come to believe. And I started visiting think tanks, conservative meetings, conservative think tanks, and saying to them, you know, you guys aren't paying attention. You think that the fight is in some congressional district in Ohio. The fight is really on television. The fight is really on the movies. That's where people's minds are changed. That's where the attitude of the culture has changed. It doesn't really matter if you're making a logical argument, if people can no longer hear that logical argument because the culture has swept all logic away. 
And at first, I mean, this is 20 years ago now. At first, conservatives used to look at me. I used to joke that it was like trying to tell my wife that when you buy something on sale, it still costs money. You know, she <laughs> she would look at me and say, like, well, you, you know, you're kind of cute and I like you, but I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and that was the way conservatives looked at me. But now, interestingly enough, especially after Trump, I think uh, people are calling me up and saying, what was it you were saying about culture again? What was it you were saying about movies again? The Daily Wire is moving into entertainment. And a a lot of people are finally figuring out that a society is not just moved by the facts. It's not just moved by arguments, but it's moved by an entire atmosphere of feeling. And that atmosphere of feeling has been controlled for 60 years by left-wingers. Yeah, and, and I think that you're really correct, Drew, by saying that conservatives, by and large, we like to think, we like to analyze, and we may have good arguments, but that's uh, we, we can't make the good arguments by totally rejecting how people feel and not appealing to some of those feelings as well. And I look at uh, a lot of the entertainment world, uh, like, for example, Grey's Anatomy, you know, one of these shows that has spanned now you know, what, 17 seasons or something that was one of the first to kind of get into to um, some of these these cultural uh, narratives to then it was a scandal when you know there were uh, two homosexual doctors and they showed you know a male and a male kiss on TV that was a huge deal and now you know that was back years ago and now we just kind of accept that in entertainment today because they're normalizing things uh, in the progressive agenda normalizing it through entertainment by having a lot of these uh, types of characters that they want to pretend are really really commonplace and that they want to pretend uh, evidence and show a, uh, a type of a culture that they want to promote and to create later. And so why is it so important? You mentioned the Daily Wire is moving into entertainment. Why is it so important that conservatives create and generate good quality entertainment as well? Well, well, the great example that I like to use is uh, Paul Ryan, when Paul Ryan suggested that they move the age of Social Security up from 65. And the reason he did that is when they made it at 65, the light, ordinary lifespan was 63. So there not as many people were going to be cashing in on this. And there were a lot more young people than there were old people, which has reversed places so that the Social Security Fund was being fed into. So Paul Rand came out with his charts, classic Republican stuff, came out with his charts and his pointers and showed all the, you know, the graphics and everything was going on. And the left just made a video of Paul Ryan pushing an old lady in a wheelchair off a cliff. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, well, that's the end of that argument, right? Because once you see that, you can't unsee it. And it doesn't really matter what the argument it is. It's just Paul Ryan is mean. The Republicans are mean. They're not being nice to old people. The joke about it, of course, was a 65-year-old woman is no longer in a wheelchair nowadays. She's playing tennis and doing yoga and really doesn't need Social Security until much later. And so the, the story overwhelms the facts. My friend Ben Shapiro loves to say facts don't care about your feelings. But in a democracy, in a republic, feelings are a fact. I mean, it is the way people feel. And, and the thing about it is, is nobody, at least no one I know or associate with, wants to be mean to people. No one wants to take away anybody's rights. No one wants anybody not to be free. But when you can't make arguments, we can only deal with emotion. You have to go to the culture to shape that emotional Absolutely. atmosphere. So and we'll be right be back here on Just the Truth with More with Andrew Clayman. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash ad free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Continuing the conversation with my good friend Andrew Clavin from The Real Daily Wire here on Just the Truth. And Drew, right before the break, you were talking about how uh, the feelings actually do matter. And we as conservatives need to understand how that shapes the cultural narrative, especially in entertainment. Yeah, I mean, if you take take the example of, of marriage, you know, one of the reasons that I never got very head up about gay marriage is because I thought marriage stopped being marriage politically the minute we had no-fault divorce. Marriage is either a uh, sacrament that is a long, a lifelong commitment between a man or and a woman, or it's anything you want to define it as. And it's very easy to have the feeling that, oh, marriage, you know, marriage is just this lovely thing where two people get together or three people or four people or two guys and a dog get together and they live in the same home and that's a marriage. But the fact is, the idea of marriage is one that has developed over Western culture for a long period of time, and there's an argument about it. There's an argument why you can't just have a no-fault divorce. There's an argument why it's a man and a woman. You can't make that argument once everybody is simply uh, developing a morality based on feelings. And this is the kind of thing that has happened because we've lost uh, our faith in God, because we've lost our faith in our church. We no longer have a, a concept of a sacred order that we are echoing in our lives. Listen, you can make that choice. That's a choice that a culture can make and it's gonna go in certain directions if it makes that choice, it's gonna go in other directions if it makes other choices. But the question is, how do you have that argument once it, the entire uh, underpinning of the, uh, of the holy order, the sacred order has been destroyed simply by feeling, simply because it feels constricted, simply because I feel like myself isn't being able to express itself. And, and people don't understand where those ideas come from. Most people haven't read Nietzsche. They haven't read Freud. They haven't read, uh, you know, Michel Foucault. They don't know where these theories are coming from, but they trickle down. They literally trickle down into the culture from in the intelligentsia to the artists, through the artists, through your television set, into your mind so that they make sense. And people do not know where those things are coming from. And that's why the conservatives who are so busy making arguments, so busy pointing at charts, so busy worrying about uh, this congressional district in Ohio or Florida or wherever it is, that they never stop to think, well, wait, what is piping in to people's minds? What's coming in through their television sets? You know, the poet Shelley said that poets were the unacknowledged legislators of the world. Andrew Breitbart used to like to say that uh, politics is downstream from culture. They're both saying the same thing. They're both saying that first the imagination of a people is shaped, and then that imagination creates the laws by which that people live. Our imagination has been shaped solely, wholly, entirely by the left for at least 60 or 70 years, and the effects of that are now being seen. Yeah, and, and you raised so many great points in that, um, and one of them that you just expressed is about how uh, we just go off of feelings in this culture, and we now have feeling equals truth, and feelings change, and we know that. I mean, my favorite example to use is how far are we going to, to say that feelings determine objective truth in culture? We know that that is ridiculous if we take that out to its logical conclusion. In a DUI trial, if you have the blood alcohol content of, uh, of the defendant, if you have you know all of the indicia of alcohol, but then he gets on the stand and says, well, I didn't feel drunk, and then, okay, case to 
dismissed. I mean, we all know that that would be ridiculous, but that's what the left is teaching in our culture is to say that feelings, our subjective feelings are the only things that matter and we can determine truth based on that. And they're using entertainment in that way and conservatives generally have not been great at uh, presenting the the reasons through, uh, through feelings and through entertainment, but just giving this sort of hard truth. And so, uh, but you go back, Drew, to, to this whole idea and concept of marriage and how that's been slowly incrementally damaged over the last 50 and 60 years in culture because conservatives have not wanted to stand firm because, oh, we're offending people. And now offense is the biggest harm in society because feelings matter. So how can we kind of start moving that ball back? Well, you know, I think that, that is a really good point, Jenna, because I think this is the important thing is that political correctness, which is now a prison in which people are not only being uh, mentally held, but are also you know, being held in, so that they can't work. They, they lose their jobs if they violate political correctness or wokeness or whatever it's called this week. And, and the thing is that it started out by an abuse an abuse of our system of manners. Manners are very important. You can be sitting at a table and talking about how horrible you think divorce is, and if you find out the lady next to you has been divorced, you feel awful. You feel like you've hurt her feelings. You didn't mean to do that. You spoke without thinking that somebody might uh, be sitting next to you who's in that situation. And yet, the truth is that divorce is a terrible, damaging thing. There's a reason uh, that Jesus talked about divorce and said it was not a good idea. Absolutely. So so the, the question is, how you know, Conservatives feel that if they're speaking the truth, no matter how bluntly, no matter how arrogantly, no matter how loudly, they're doing something right. But it is true, as Paul Simon said, that you want to have honesty, but you want to have some tenderness beneath that honesty. What the left has done is they have used that fact. They've used the fact that uh, blunt people and truthful people are sometimes uh, rude and sometimes unthinking and insensitive. They've used that to shut down the truth itself. So now if you say, you know, you, you may think you're a girl, but you're really not a girl. Well, now you've done something actually violent and actually terrible to somebody. And and the, the thing is, we have to not lose our way. For conservative, conservatives are sometimes called reactionary. We have to not react, but speak the truth kindly and lovingly and pleasantly, but always. And that's, that is, a, is something that the right sometimes lose track of. They get so angry because they've let the left take over the culture, because they are bombarded with insults every day, because every single comedian it attacks them, because every single movie attacks them, because every single media, news media outlet attacks them and calls them names. They get so angry that they think that screaming the truth in rage uh, is going to get them somewhere. And the fact is, that that's just not how it works. You have to speak the truth. You have to speak the truth fearlessly. You have to be willing to be persecuted and lose your job for the truth. As I was thrown out of Hollywood for speaking the truth, you have to be able, to, willing to do all those things without ever losing your temper. It's a very, very hard uh, prescription, but we've got to follow it because that is how we're going to begin be able to reach people with the truth. Yes, absolutely. And also recognizing that life isn't perfect. I mean, people do get divorced. People are harmed in, in certain ways. People do make bad choices. And the truth is still the truth, regardless of our inadequacies or our sin or our conscious choices uh, to do wrong. But that's what's so great about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he has covered all of our sins and also the sins that people have perpetuated against us. And so we as Christians should not be afraid of speaking truth, even if it offends 
offend someone else or their lifestyle is not in accordance with that truth, you can say, well, there is harm all over society. We live in a fallen world, but that doesn't mean that we have to accept that harm and normalize it and say, okay, just because that's part of culture that makes it an okay or a good thing, we still have to have a measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil. And the Bible helps us deal with uh, those harms and with the sin that we have and that we choose on a daily basis and also the sin that uh, is perpetuated against us without having a victim mentality. Um, but Drew, as, as we move forward in culture and you know, you said something else about speaking truth in love, which the Bible also says you need to speak the truth in love. Do you think that that's where the conservatives in the whole MAGA crowd kind of got, uh, opened themselves up to a pretty easy line of attack when you have Donald Trump who was finally willing to stand up and speak the truth, but he didn't really do it in love a lot of times? No, I said this from the beginning with Donald Trump, that the tragedy of Donald Trump, what I mean by tragedy is two conflicting goods, two goods that can't exist at the same time. And the tragedy of, of Donald Trump was that he would not have gotten elected at all if he hadn't spoken the truth as bluntly as he did. He would have been reelected if he could have spoken the, tr the truth more politely. And the fact is that Donald Trump accomplished a lot because of who he was, but he also did not accomplish enough because of who he was. And I know it sometimes upsets Trump supporters when I say that. They want to think he was practically perfect in every way, but nobody is. And the fact is that we had let, this is, this is the fault of conservatives, we had let the culture get so out of control that the only kind of person who was willing to speak the truth was a blunt, gruff person like Trump. But when people saw that, when they saw the gruffness, when they saw the bluntness, when they saw the way he treated people, which wasn't always the best possible way, uh, they, I think they ultimately rejected him. And that's laying aside all the questions about the election. But I think they ultimately rejected him. I think he would have won by a landslide if he could have curtailed some of those uh, rude, gruff instincts. But the thing is, the reason for that is not, it's not really, I don't really blame Trump. What I blame is a culture that has gotten so out of control that it considers it violence to speak simple truths like a man is not a woman or climate change may not be a, 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 a catastrophe or, you know, marriage may be something that should be reserved for a, a, as a sacrament between a man and a woman. To say those things is now considered cruel or bigoted or evil. And so in order to just say them, you have to have such a thick skin. Uh, you know, you have to have such a, a, a turtle-like shell around you that it comes across as being brutal and, and rude. And that's a shame. We let that happen. It is the thing about telling stories is stories are based on compassion. They're based on humanity. As you said, as you said, people do things that they shouldn't do. They have to be forgiven. We have to have a, an open heart for the sinfulness of the world. And that's a, a way that stories communicate. Stories communicate through individuals and by telling what happens to individuals and why individuals do what they do. Even the worst murderer on earth, the worst murderer on earth has a story to tell, a human story to tell. And if we don't have that kind of attitude, we can't get back to the reasons we do the things we do, the reasons we set the, the boundaries we set, the reasons we made the laws we made or built the country we built.
Yeah, and we can't ever have then that contrast because if speaking any truth like it is today is now considered actual violence, which is completely <laughs> ridiculous, that the worst harm ever is to just be offensive in the words that we say, then we'll never even be able to have that conversation, which is what our First Amendment protects, which is the right to do exactly what we're doing right now, which is to come together, associate, and speak freely about truth, about the things of God. But the left wants to shut that all down, and now they're doing it in the name of offense because really it offends them. And so it's not a harm that this is actual violence in my words versus uh, what they want to condone as their truth. They want to shut us down completely and say that this is violence, say that this is hate speech, say that it's bigoted, call us all kinds of names just because they don't want us to be able to have this conversation. Well, guess what? Drew Clavin and I are having that conversation and that's why Real America's Voice has shows like this where we can speak just the truth. We'll be right back with more with Drew Clayton. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Continuing the conversation here on Just the Truth with my friend Andrew Clavin, who is the host of The Andrew Clavin Show on Daily Wire and also a prolific author. And Drew, uh, we were talking just before the break about how speaking truth is now offensive and it's bigoted and hate speech and all of this other stuff. And we can easily dismiss with that as conservatives as just saying, well, this is about censorship. It's about cancel culture. But there's actually a deeper philosophy behind this. Yeah, a philosophy going back uh, more than 100 years is a uh, developing philosophy it comes to us through Marx. It doesn't start with Marx, but it comes to us through uh, Marx. And the idea that essentially that if you don't think you're oppressed, you are experiencing a false consciousness. And indeed, your entire self is a creation of uh, power. Basically, they, they, it's a philosophy that uh, goes through, you know, there's a lot of names. It doesn't matter. Michel Foucault and uh, comes to the left uh, through Marx with guys like the French philosophers like Foucault. And th this is the idea. The idea is you may think you're happy. You may think you're a woman. You may think that uh, you, you like uh, having a job and a, a nice lawn and capitalism and all these things. But really, that is a false idea implanted in you by the powerful. And indeed, there is nothing that is not implanted in you by the powerful. And that's why they think that anything that you say to them that contradicts them is an act of violence, because you, as a powerful person, are trying to change their internal world. You are trying to take away their in you know their actual consciousness with your ideas and they think of this as the way the world works and the thing about this is it confuses two different things it confuses emotions with axioms it can it confuses the fact that something feels wrong and doesn't seem right and seems oppressive with the fact that there are certain self-evident truths self-evident truths that arise out of our natural lives and when, when Jefferson wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that's called an axiom. That's a truth that you can't prove, but that it proves everything else. And that means that it's probably true. And our self-evident truths are that people are created equal. They have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, when you listen to the left, they will literally say, those rights are made up. Those rights are a fiction, uh, a story 
that we tell, and they are actually being manipulated by the powerful to oppress the weak. They're, you're being told that you have the right to liberty, but that right to liberty is actually taking away your right to change from being a man to a woman, to uh, you know have as much money as the guy next to you, uh, to uh, not think that two and two is four. All those things are being taken away from you in the name of these make-believe rights. And so it's, it's really difficult to get people back to the point where we say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are axioms for a reason. These are things that we have observed over the centuries to grow out of human nature and to grow out of nature. And they have philosophized all of these away. A guy like Foucault said, there are absolutely no distinctions in nature. It's all just one big system. And I thought, well, that's, that's really interesting until a turkey tries to mate with a tiger. And then, no, it's not just one big system. There's a lot of actually diversified things going on in nature. And so we have to get back to the idea that, look, when, when we say you're endowed by your creator with certain rights, that's not a religious point. You don't have to go to church to believe that. That is the axiom of the American way. And once you throw that away, there's no basis for your rights at all. It's the right, really, who's lost its way. I mean, it really is. It's the right who has started to argue that everything is about libertarianism, that everything is about capitalism. If you're making money, that's good. If you're not making money, that's bad. That's not the way the system was built. It was actually built on a system of moral truths, of natural law that still holds good, but has been lost under all these new uh, fresh philosophies. And I think you're absolutely right that the Republican Party in particular has also lost its way because now they want to be so inclusive and so big tent that they're losing the ability to take a firm ground on certain moral truths and, uh, and recognizing the philosophy that does underpin all of the freedom and liberty that we enjoy and what our system of government was founded on. And so if we can't go back to this philosophy and more deeply analyze this, and I think a lot of people are really surprised to understand that this is actually built on a philosophy. It's not just taking one or two political topics and having an opinion on it. Uh, that, that's something that, that actually is meaningful and it matters. And we have to make sure that we go back and we analyze these things. Um, I mean, I get into debates on social media or on other networks or other things with people who are supposedly conservatives, but they have no idea, Drew, what it is that they're conserving. And so to go back to this philosophy, as you said, most people haven't even read these philosophers. They haven't, they, they know maybe a bit or a phrase out of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, but they don't understand the philosophy and the worldview that it represents. And they don't have an understanding themselves of why worldview matters and that everyone has a worldview, but they either get it from culture or they just get it tacitly and it's just they're a product of their environment or they analyze it and they think it through. And so you had said at the very outset that you were a liberal, you know, you went uh, to England, you came back and you're like, wait a second, <laughs> I'm, I'm now conservative. Um, for people who actually want to start analyzing these things deeply, how, how and where can they start? Uh, that's a really good question, but I think, I think one of the ways you do it is you go back to the found, you know, Abraham Lincoln had, did this brilliant thing when he made the Gettysburg Address. He pointed out that our Constitution, which is simply a system of laws, is based on a philosophy that is expressed in the Declaration. Okay, that's very important. The Declaration isn't our laws, but it expresses the philosophy that uh, the Constitution is based on. And as I said, that 
uh, philosophy has certain uh, self-evident truths that we are born, all men are created equal, that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A good place to begin is with the Declaration and then going back and finding out what thoughts led to the Declaration, finding out why Jefferson thought the things he thought, uh, why Franklin and Madison, especially Madison, thought the things they thought, reading the Federalist Papers, reading John Locke, reading the early philosophers. But even, even more important than that, sitting and thinking, well, wait, <laughs> if, if we take those, those self-evident truths away, what is anything based on? It's just based on our feelings, right? If, it's, if we haven't got an axiom to build on. A really good example of this, Jenna, is this, uh, the fact that we are now being censored by private entities like Google, YouTube, uh, you know, TikTok, Facebook, and all these people are, are censoring us. And there are some people on the right who are saying, well, you can't stop them because they're private entities. That's not true. That's not true. If, in fact, the, the declaration is the basis of our form of government, and if we are endowed by our creator, by God, with certain rights, then whether the, our rights are taken away by the government or whether they're taken away by Google is actually of no matter. In the, in the declaration, it says that governments are uh, instituted among men to secure those rights. The First Amendment protects those rights from the government, but the government also has to protect those rights from other actors. So when we have YouTube censoring people, when, when we have Donald Trump, former president of the United States, supported by 75 million voters, banned from social media, something has gone terribly wrong. And when, when I hear conservatives especially saying, well, they're allowed to censor him because they're private entities, I think, no, 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 wait a minute. The First Amendment protects us from the government, but the government was instituted among us to secure our rights, among them the right to free speech. And so it, it's not right that uh, Twitter and Google and YouTube and all these different uh, people that are all colluding together to silence voices. So until we understand what our actual laws are and what they're based on, we can't make the arguments we need to make. And even conservatives or so-called conservatives have lost their way on this and are really selling our rights away uh, on, on legalistic terms that have nothing to do with what our laws are based on. That's so beautifully expressed, Drew, that the purpose of government is to secure our rights and it doesn't matter who it is that's infringing. Because if that were if that were true, that the only thing that the Constitution is designed to do is to protect us against government action, then our entire civil law wouldn't even be a thing. We couldn't go in and make any of these arguments in court or sue um, each other as private citizens of saying, well, you are infringing upon my right or my property or or, uh, anything else based on a law that was designed to protect the sanctity of our rights. And those types of arguments are really getting lost because I think that even Congress today has no idea what power they have, and they're exercising it in a way that um, is completely beyond the bounds of what it was ever intended to be, but they don't recognize the legitimate purpose that they are actually there for. And, you know, we talked just a moment ago about uh, the Election Integrity Project, and when I went to those state legislators and I explained to them that under the Constitution and under the framework and the design of our government, it is state legislatures that have to make sure that the delegates that are sent to the Electoral College are the ones that genuinely and truly represent their states and their constituencies, they had no idea. 
that absolutely no idea. They, they think they have power for some things, but what they actually have power to do, they had absolutely no idea. And so uh, this is, I think, the juxtaposition of the problem that we have in government today. And I think you're right, it, among regular conservatives, that we don't even understand what the legitimacy of law no. even is. I know, you know, we, we are suffering from learned ignorance. Our, our universities have actually inculcated ignorance in a whole generation of people. And it, it's frightening to an old duffer like me to see young people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for instance, who's attractive and eloquent and, and forceful and a complete ignoramus, a, a person who actually has no commitment uh, to American history, to American truths, to American liberties, and or to the truth itself, because she doesn't know what the truth is. And that level of ignorance, when it rises to the position of Congress and then is promoted by the media. It, it's dangerous. It is actually a dangerous thing. Our country actually needs an educated public to say, well, wait a minute, you know, this is where my rights come from. This is what they stand on. If you're going to remove the platform on which they stand, I want to know why, I want to know how, and I want to know what gives you the right to do it. But instead, we've got people like AOC uh, screaming and yelling and pounding her fist and saying things that, again, are eloquent and uh, you know appealing, uh, but just don't happen to be true because she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I see a lot of that. I see a lot of that in young people on both sides, on right and left. And I think the universities, which are run by leftists, have gone out of their way to make sure that ignorance is widespread. Yeah, and I see that even among um, some of the both young and old uh, congressmen and women who are on the, the so-called conservative right doing the same thing. They're more concerned about having the viral meme and getting the interview on you know, their, their national network rather than they're concerned about doing the legitimate business of government and genuinely teaching these types of principles and, and using their time and their platform to say, here's what I'm in Congress to do. Here's why the truth of the Constitution matters. So we'll be right back to talk with my good friend Drew Clavin Moore here on Just the Truth. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Continuing this really important conversation with my good friend, Andrew Clavin from Daily Wire. He's host of The Andrew Clavin Show that you can stream on Daily Wire. And of course, uh, sign up and subscribe. They have so many great articles. Uh, my good friend and client, John MacArthur, writes for them frequently. And I just love Drew's analysis because we as conservatives have to think through our arguments. We can't cater to the culture. We can't be uh, concerned about offending people in culture. We have to speak truth and love, but we also have to have a coherent argument. And so, Drew, uh, before the break, we were talking about how uh, people in uh, in our elected official positions don't even understand their role. And this is where our society now today uh, with conservatives who I think really genuinely want to make good arguments, but they don't know how to weave together all of these uh, principles and what it ties into. And this is why worldview matters and the basis and foundation of our system of government that is built on an expression and recognition of self-evident truth matters. 
Yeah, it, it, it actually is true. And I think that, you know, the, the biggest point that we have yet to wrestle with, you and I have yet to wrestle with, and I think the culture itself has yet to wrestle with, is what are we going to do about the loss of faith in the country, about the idea that, again, and this is just a feeling that people have. They have this feeling that science is so powerful, the technology is so powerful, that maybe all that stuff in the Bible was just kind of fairy tales to begin with and doesn't really make any sense. And and listen, I'm not, I'm not actually preaching to anybody. I'm simply saying this, that the thoughts that have developed that led to our form of government, they come from a certain religious outlook, a Christian outlook. They are not meant to impose Christianity on anybody, but the ideas grew out of the ideas that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. There's just no other way around it. Those ideas of grace and forgiveness of sin, of, uh, of you know, of, that sin is universal, and of a, a God who actually loves us and looks like us, made us in his image. All of those things played into the ideas in the Declaration that then fed into the Constitution. And we're in a situation right now where to even mention this, to even mention this is thought to be basically off the mark, even among religious people. Even among religious people, if you say, you know, our, our, our rights come from our Creator, we are endowed by our Creator with these rights, I get this all the time. People say, well, that's religious. We don't want to we don't want to make that argument because some people aren't religious. And the idea is that it actually doesn't matter if that's the axiom of our system. You cannot get rid of it without getting rid of the entire system. If that's the argument you want to make, and I think it's actually the argument the left is currently making that this our system is wrong. They want to get rid of the entire system. If that's the argument you want to make, come on out and make it. But don't pick it away at it here and there and uh, destroy the entire system in the process. If we do not believe our rights come from our Creator, where on earth do they come from? Uh, you know, what makes them rights? And this is uh, something that is very big on the left, the idea that our rights, among other things, are fictions. That our rights were just made up. And that they would say to you, well, that doesn't make them unreal. It just means that we can change them. It means that they are mutable. And in, indeed, the people who founded this country didn't think that at all. They thought these, this was, we have over thousands of years reasoned our way to this point where this is self-evident to us. When, when Thomas Jefferson said these rights, the fact that we are endowed by our creator with these rights is self-evident, he didn't mean it was obvious. He didn't mean it was just sitting there because if it had just been sitting there, it wouldn't have taken so many thousands of years to figure it out. What he meant is it follows as the night the day from the logic of the West leading from Socrates to that present moment. And I think that those are the things that you know, we're going to have to start arguing about because we're so far away from where we started. We're going to have to get back to the beginning. And when you talk about Congress, it really is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see a Congress that not only doesn't do anything, but really pose and posture. Uh, it, it doesn't want to do anything. It doesn't want to take responsibility. And I say this about people on the right and the left. They make big speeches. They call people before them and they, you know, ha harass them. Uh, they bring tech giants before them and they fear. yell at them. But, it does but they don't do anything. Yeah, absolutely. they do absolutely nothing. And they don't want to do anything because they know that the agencies, the regulatory agencies will do it. And then they can blame the regulatory agencies and make speeches about that and get reelected instead of taking responsibility for laws they actually pass. Yeah, and, and this whole, I think you're absolutely correct that that whole uh, problem with the leftists, this whole idea of everything is just a social construct, even gender, even things that are self-evident in terms of legitimate science in that you can look down and see what gender you actually are. We all have that ability, right? That is a self-evident truth. And when they say that everything is a social construct, then they're making this uh, into 
a, a sort of, um, of government system that means we can create our own reality. And that's what they want to do. And they, I think you're absolutely right that they want to destroy the entire system, but they're not being honest about it. And so when we look at the Biden administration and we say, okay, here's Joe Biden who claims he's a Catholic, but then everything that he's about, all of his policies are actually going along with this ridiculous progressive narrative that says that gender is a social construct, that uh, everything else about our society, about our laws, we can just legislate however we want. We can, uh, anything that is a moral truth is imposing my truth onto you and we can't do that in society. He's dealing with the inherent tension of a conflicting worldview. So we need to point that out better in the Biden administration. And it's, it's interesting to me that uh, when the left uses the term social construct, it's always bad. Why is a social construct always bad? I mean, that seems some, something about that seems very self-hating to me. There, there's some small truth to the fact that there is that in gender that is partly a social construct. There's nothing in the word of God that says women have to dress in skirts and men have to dress in pants. We do that because we love the fact that we are made man and woman. That's why we did it. We did it because it emphasizes things about men and women that we love and the differences between men and women. The differences between men and women for 99.9% .9 of us are part of the joy and consolation of life. Life can be very difficult without that uh, difference in uh, the beauty between that happens between men and women. But when they say it's a social construct, they immediately mean it's bad and has to be gotten rid of because they are absolutely certain that all these constructs are powerful people uh, imposing their ideas on less powerful people. That, that just simply isn't true. I mean, the power of men and women is a different kind of power, but it's always been pretty much in balance throughout history. So when, when somebody says something is a social construct, you have to stop and ask, well, maybe, maybe we emphasize the difference between men and women because we like it. Maybe we like the differences between men and women, so we decorate it a little bit. We wear, we put earrings on it, we put uh, makeup on it. Instead of uh, just letting it be as it is, we actually enhance it because we find it beautiful. Uh, it's it's a, a particular kind of self-hatred that is on display on the left that everything, everything that society creates, uh, they think is bad, and everything that America creates, they think is bad. This goes back to ideas that came before the French Revolution. We're talking about philosophy. This is something that Rousseau uh, basically thought. He thought that if you could just get rid of society, the noble savage would elevate himself and we would find that man in his natural state is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, the Christian believes that not so much. You know, man is a broken thing and needs to be regulated. And that's what James Madison said. He said, if men were angels, we wouldn't need a government. And if the government were run by angels, it wouldn't need to be constrained. But as it is, what we need is we need a government that actually constrains itself. And that's a very difficult thing to have. And right now we're losing it. Yeah, we're absolutely losing it. But this is why these conversations are so important. And now everyone sees why I said this was going to be the most important show, because <laughs> these ideas, Drew, are so important for people to understand and recognize that this isn't just a happenstance or this isn't just, you know, the product of the Obama administration or this isn't something that, you know, came out of someone's Twitter feed. I mean, these are things that have been prevalent, bad ideas that go all the way back to a lot of different philosophies that we need to understand so that we can combat them with truth, continue to speak truth. And this is why you need to go sign up right now to Daily Wire and listen to The Andrew Clavin Show. He talks about this prolifically on his show. So glad to have him tonight. And we'll be right back with more here on Just the Truth.
Welcome back to Just the Truth, where we are continuing the conversation with my good friend Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show on Daily Wire, and also has the brand new book out, uh, which is The Emperor's Sword. It's the last of the trilogy of Another Kingdom. And Drew, thank you so much for joining me tonight, because uh, these types of conversations you can't do in a 30-second or two-minute hit on a network. Uh, these are things that are so important for people to understand the root philosophy of what they are uh, just tacitly taking from the entertainment world, what they may be seeing on the news, and how all of this weaves together when we as Christians stand up and say, okay, pro-life is correct. And people say, well, you're just forcing your morality on me. I mean, we have to have better answers than just, well, here's my position versus your position because standpoint epistemology or this whole idea and concept of my truth versus your truth doesn't ultimately work out logically. No, it doesn't. And nobody actually thinks it does. They they only think it does when they're making the argument, uh, when it, it comes to be a punch in the nose. Uh, you know, Mike Tyson once said everybody has a plan until he gets hit in the face. You know, that's that's really the thing. Everybody thinks that uh, truth is relative uh, until he gets punched in the head, you know, and then suddenly you realize, no, you're a body, you're an incarnate uh, soul. Uh, things happen to you that death is real. Life is real. Uh, things are your rights are real. And when they're taken away, it re they really are very hard to get back. And so uh, you know, a lot. The th the thing is, if if you've ever been in a philosophy class, you can see how quickly people spin off into meaningless nothings that aren't connected to reality. But reality is is real, you know. And I think that we've come a long way, and people have fought and died for the freedoms that we have, not because of a flag and not because somebody was playing the fife, but because they had heard the arguments and they had thought them through, and they thought, yes, this is what you stand for. And the thing is, right now, right now, we are in a situation that I have not seen. I've lived a long time and I have not seen this in my lifetime where to speak the simple truth could cost you your job, could cost you your reputation, could cost you a lot of the comforts that you have. And that means that people are being called upon uh, in, onto a battlefield that Americans are not used to. Uh, we're used to thinking of the battlefield of, as the courageous guy with a rifle, you know, marching out to death. But now the battlefield is your school board. The battlefield is your HR department. The battlefield is Twitter. It's all these places where you have something to lose. And I have to tell you, Jenna, the question I get asked almost more than anyone else, than anything else, is, is how can I do such and such without such and such? So it's how can I stand up to my professor without getting a bad grade? How can I stand up to my boss without losing my job? How can I speak the truth without being uh, vilified and being thrown off Facebook or losing my Facebook friends? And the answer now is you can't. There's no ducking your responsibility. You know, I am I'm I'm spent my life as an artist and a culture maker, and I love the culture and I love uh, adding to the culture. But culture is in everybody's hands. Each one of us is carrying a little piece of the culture like a flame. And if you let that culture go out because you're afraid, because you're protecting your position, because you don't want to lose your friends, you're really uh, doing something uh, damaging to future generations to come. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be unstrategic. You don't have to stick your head in the cannon's mouth to understand that the truth matters every single day in every single way. You got to speak it to your kids. You got to live it in your marriage. You got to live it in your at your job, and you've got to do the things that are that uh, basically promote the rights and liberties that were handed down to you. It, it would be nice if we could always say, you know, that the hero is the guy with the flag standing on a hill uh, looking like Clint Eastwood and shooting his way to glory. But sometimes the hero is just a mom who says, you know what, you can't teach my kid that he's a boy when he's a girl, when she's a girl. You know, you can't teach that into our schools. Or just a guy who says, you know what, 
throw me off Twitter if you want to, but this is the truth. I'm going to speak it. Again, you don't have to be unstrategic. You don't have to stick your head in a cannon's mouth and you don't have to fight every fight, but you have to stand up for these things. You might want to think about this when, uh, you know, you're married and some uh, pretty girl says, why don't you come uh, over to my house instead? You might want to think about it uh, when you're uh, thinking about having another drink when your kid is watching. All the small things that we do every minute, every day are things that you, that you live out, in which you live out the truth. And so it's not just up to artists, it's not just up to Hollywood, it's not just up to uh, the church, it's actually up to everybody, it's up to people. And I, I think like one of the things I see a lot too much of on the right, and I am on the right, is I see people pounding their palm with their fist and demanding that Hollywood's do this and the church does this and our politicians do this, but then they don't go out and live the truth that they're trying to promote. And I think that's something each of us really has to think about all the time, every day, because the culture is really in bad shape and our country is really in bad shape. And it's up to every one of us to bring it back. It is. And if you go back to our founders, when they mutually pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, they didn't know at that point that they would be the victors. They didn't know that they would be able yeah. to have the Continental Congress and the Constitutional Convention and design uh, what has become the greatest society to promote freedom and liberty. They could have lost the war. They, they could have sacrificed everything, but they were willing to stand. And how much more so should we be willing to stand and say the truth matters and having courage matters much more than just getting canceled off social media. I mean, comparatively, when you look at the people throughout human history that have stood firm for the truth and what they have sacrificed and were willing to sacrifice, is it really that much to say, well, I might lose my job or I might be canceled? I mean, those are those are important things, but in context, it really matters. And so, uh, Drew, I so appreciate you coming and having this conversation with me. You're going to have to come back so we can continue this more. I really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Just the Truth. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find out more about the Thomas More Society and the incredible work that we do there at thomasmoresociety.org. And I will be back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday here on Just the Truth. <laughs>